and welcome to the show. I am reporting to you today from beautiful San Francisco, California. My little family and I are in the United States for three whole months and we're visiting with family, my family and friends and we're doing a bit of house sitting, uh, which is pretty cool. I can tell you more about that later if you're interested, but yeah, we're watching some pets and it just seems like a good way to kind of feel more like a local and have our own space and stuff because Nick is working remotely while we're here. So he's been doing the hard work of working every day. But it's been so far really good, but also challenging at times, um, which I guess is true for any location of parenting. But yeah, our trip here, we had a lot of delays and cancellations due to sickness and weather. And now we have more sickness and just, you know, all the fun things. But uh, <laughs> that's all part of it. Uh, and that's why there was no episode last week. I've been trying to prioritize staying sane over getting things done. So, you know, just bear with me here. Yeah, if you're interested, I can talk more about our traveling and living abroad experiences and adventures. Let me know if you want that. Today's episode is one that I'm really happy to share with you. It's a little different than past episodes have been, but it's about a very important subject for parents. Our guest is Teresa Urbina, a perinatal mental health counselor who specializes in moms facing challenges in their transition into motherhood. Teresa shares how her experience with becoming a parent inspired her to help others in similar situations. We talk about the unique experience of having a baby during COVID, struggles of going back to work postpartum, mental health stigmas, especially in the Hispanic community, when to seek help, and how Teresa is preparing herself and her family for baby number two. These tips would also be good for anyone preparing for baby number one. After hearing Teresa's story, I feel like it's a great example of how you can design your life to fit your lifestyle. When things aren't working, make the changes you need to best support yourself, your family, and others. Some disclaimers, we filmed this back when I was in New Zealand and we had been trying to schedule it for a while and then ended up squeezing it in with short notice. So with a time difference, it was early in the morning for me, and so I was a bit out of it and tired. That's just my excuse for why I'm not uh, <laughs> that good of a host. But that's also just because I'm still learning how to be a good podcast host, so I'll be the first to admit that I don't always know the right thing to say or ask, and sometimes I laugh awkwardly at the wrong times. And, you know, that's something I'm working on, so thanks for bearing with me. There is also some household noise in the background and some little interruptions, which I'm sure you can all understand. For this episode, I wanted to give a trigger warning for anyone who might not want to listen to anything about postpartum depression or anxiety or struggles. You might not be ready to hear anything about that or go there or think about it, and that's totally okay. So be kind to yourself and listen to another time. But if you're up for it, here is Teresa Urbina. Welcome to Biggest Adventure Yet, a podcast for adventurous, creative, and global humans raising the next generation. I'm Mari, your host, a new-ish mother who lives abroad, thrives on travel, creativity, and the outdoors. Chase down a brand new adventure, step up, step out, and enter in. 
Hello, welcome, Teresa. Hi, I'm so glad to be with you here today. Yeah, I'm so glad you could make it. it we had some scheduling, we had to do it quickly, and it's just as um, motherhood goes, you know, everything going on. So I really appreciate you being here. And so you are a therapist, and I, I really just loved when I came across your account. I resonated with so much of what you had to say. And like even your uh, in your Instagram bio, it says helping moms find joy in motherhood. And I just think that's so important. And it's something that before becoming a mother, I never even thought about that I would need to work on that or it would be something that I would think about. I just thought, well, I, it just wasn't something I thought about, to be honest, the mental health side of things. I think I had been aware of uh postpartum depression I had heard of that but I didn't really know what it was or what it entailed and that's the only kind of mental health thing associating pregnancy or motherhood that I had ever considered and so becoming a mother I realized like wow this is there's just like a whole world of stuff and it's so important to take care of your mental health during this time it's such a huge life transition but yeah, so I'm wondering kind of to start off a little bit about you and how you got started in this line of work. Well, um, thank you for being here for being here with me because yes, you are correct. We had some scheduling, juggling of our schedules. Um, you with your, we're on a different time zone. Me, I'm preparing to go on my maternity leave. I'm expected to deliver next week. Um, so it's been a busy season and I'm so glad that we're able to connect and a big reason for me wanting to do this when you reached out to me was because of what you just mentioned. We we don't know how important our mental health is in our journey of motherhood. And I came to face that when I became a mom myself. My son was born a week before quarantine in my city. Oh, wow. And that whole experience of COVID and delivering that was a traumatic experience for me. That was not the way that I wanted to enter motherhood. During the time, I think we were all just on this survival mode of moving through life at that time, not understanding what COVID was, not understanding any protocols, just we were really moved by fear. I think that's what a lot of it was. We were all living in a lot of fear. This is doctors, this is nurses, it was everyone. So as a collective, we were all just driven by this fear. And... And not understanding or knowing what it was. So my birthing experience was, I look back at it and I'm like, wow. Wow, I feel really robbed of my experience. Oh, of, was it, was your husband not allowed in the room or anything? He was, uh, he was allowed and we were still able to have people come visit us at the, um, I was going to say hotel. <laughs> I wish it was <laughs> Yeah, total mom. <laughs> Room service. Yeah, <laughs> um, we were still able to have um, people visit us there at the at the hospital, but um, what had happened was I had a C section for um, because I was delivering a ten pound baby, so I had a C section. Oh, wow. for... <laughs> yes, it was a wild <laughs> I was like whoa that came out of me <laughs> I was like what how big <laughs> so I delivered a 10 pound baby I had no awareness of any any service that was provided for moms because all that 
we know at that time is just your OBGYN. And to be honest, I wasn't really educated on much on midwives or how they worked mm-hmm. in the maternal care. So I had my baby, had a C-section, and I was immediately separated from him. Oh. I was left in a recovery room all by myself. Oh, no. For about four and a half hours. Oh, wow. Trying to, like, get a nurse to pay attention to me. I wanted to see my baby. I was so jealous that everyone else could see my son. And I was, like, getting pictures. Because they gave me my phone. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm getting pictures from everyone, like, sending me pictures and videos of him in the nursery. And I'm, I'm jealous of... Yeah. Everyone being able to see him, and I'm sitting there, not able to move, because I'm still coming off of the anesthesia, and Mm -hmm. there's no one around. My husband was trying to advocate for me, trying to get the baby to be moved to me. Um, They were asking when I could see him. I was asking whenever I did see someone, which was was not very often, Um, and I wasn't checked up on. I want to say I was probably checked up on, like, hmm maybe twice in those four and a half hours. And I I wanted to do the skin to skin. I wanted to, I had this vision that I would Mm -hmm. be able to have this skin to skin, that I would be able to Mm -hmm. cuddle and nurse and and be with my baby, especially because he wasn't taken to the NICU or anything like Mm -hmm. that. So yeah, for me, that was a that was really hard. Yeah, that would be. And was it because it was because of COVID that they took him away? Or? It was. So after um, delivery, we ended up finding out there was like 14 other babies that were delivered that day. And then another uh-huh. like 12 or 13 the day after. And I think what was happening was there was just this sense of fear and panic. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of doctors may have wanted to deliver babies that were in that time frame to be delivered all at the same time because again we didn't know what COVID was there was just so much already talking like being said in the news and um, I believe at that time there was already one case in our city and so just having that one case and nobody knowing anything about COVID is enough to spark a lot of um Excuse me, I had some heartburn. It's enough to... (laughs) Pregnancy problems? Pregnancy problems, yes. Um, It's enough to just spark fear in general. And I think that that's what the time that I was living in. Also, we were were scheduled late that day. My son was born at 6 o'clock p.m. And it was Mm. like shift change. So this is like nurses Uh, coming in nurses Mm -hmm. going out like who's supposed to be responsible like who's assigned where and who's not so um and then they were understaffed it was definitely not a favorable situation but it was something that we experienced and that we moved through and I think that that was a very difficult part for me was just feeling forgotten and abandoned Mm -hmm. in a recovery room where I wasn't being checked up on in a place where we we believe that we're supposed to be safe, which is the hospital, and where we where we believe that we're given the ultimate care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I can just imagine exactly how you were feeling. Not that that exact same thing happened to me, but I had a C-section as well, and then my son was taken. He had to go to the NICU, um, so I wasn't with him. So I, and I knew that I knew it was happening and all of that. Um, so it wasn't that same way. But I can only imagine when 
you don't know what's happening and then you just are in a room all by yourself and especially the people sending pictures of your son that would have made me so upset uh, and so th- did that that was obviously a really hard start to motherhood and then so you were saying that is kind of how you started thinking about the mental health side of motherhood and all of yeah, that. Yeah so as I moved through motherhood so I was isolated on purpose because of COVID. We had the quarantine. And in a lot of ways at the time, I was like, wow, this is great because it really helps me set those boundaries of people like coming over and not washing their hands or showing up unannounced. Mm. It, It was helpful in that aspect. And then I thought of it and I was like, man, I feel really lonely. Yeah. As I moved through motherhood and it was like, I was up at night Um, And I felt lonely Mm -hmm. because I was feeding my baby. My body was healing. I also didn't have that village because, well, it's COVID. And everyone was in quarantine and not allowed to leave. And we had to stay at home. And so I didn't have a village that could come over during the day and either check up on me or just hold the baby. The first week, my mother-in-law did come over and she was such a huge help with cooking and with cleaning and with just making sure that I was taken care of. Now at the time, because I had so much anxiety from COVID, a week later we move into this, all right, we're going to lock down the entire city. Nobody can leave. This is when like all those food shortages, toilet paper, water, like there were shortages everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I mean, talk about real anxiety just coming up about the world. Like here I am with the week old baby and now you're saying that we can die we there's no food (laughs) so I mean I think of like all the moms that moved through that season and through birthing in that season and my gosh my heart just goes out to all of them because it was such a rough time and I think any any mom that's delivered between that delivered between 2000 till the end of or beginning of 2022 when they started lifting a lot of these mandates, mm-hmm. I think that the, those were really hard times for moms, and there there was an increase in just a lot of anxiety and depression and feeling alone because no one can be there for you, or because they need to wait two weeks to see if they're. Um, not COVID positive and it's just because you want to make sure that your child's not contracting this virus that could potentially be deadly so there was a lot of anxiety I did have friends that reached out and in our conversations like the short exchanges that we would have um, these were friends that were already moms some of them had opened up to me about um, their experiences when they first had their baby Mm -hmm. I heard of some that stopped breastfeeding because they had to go on anxiety medications or depression medications, others who experienced depression. And though they didn't say I experienced depression, what they were telling me, like my, my mental health hat was on and I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds like Mm. depression. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that person knew that. And also knowing like how that continued to show up in their lives so I was having support from like friends and hearing like stories. It was you know, just relating as, as my world goes, connecting with, with each other, hearing their stories, linking it to mine. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is normal. I guess, right? <laughs> like, I guess this is normal. Um, but there was a part of me that was like, well, I don't know. So I started 
I just started searching. At the time, I had no social media. Absolutely not. I didn't have... I know TikTok was booming at that time. I didn't have TikTok. (laughs) I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. I was really off of social media. So I didn't have any of that in addition to my anxiety that I was experiencing about motherhood or about COVID. So I, I got onto the internet and I started looking up postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, what that looked like, what the symptoms were. And I just, I learned a little bit. So moved forward through motherhood as I did. Recognizing that, man, this is really stressful. (laughs) Being a mom and not having help or there was other things that were happening um, at the same time. And I recognized it after. At the time, you don't see it, Mm -hmm. though you you really recognize it when you just take that time to reflect. I think all moms, the first couple of months are really in the survival mode. Mm -hmm. We're sleep deprived. We're learning how to take care of a baby. And we're not giving ourselves that grace for it. This is a learning process. Even as I'm preparing to enter the second time, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how to take care of a baby. (laughs) I've done it before. But it's been a while. (laughs) It's been three years. I don't know how to to take care of an infant. So it's Mm going to be a whole other learning process though I know what to expect this time around mm-hmm. and every baby is different yeah I was learning how to take care of a baby and then we have these like expectations that are that our village is going to show up for us mm-hmm. we have these ideas because of things that are said oh I'll be there to help you with the baby don't worry I'll I'll when you go back to work I'll be the one that watches your your child while you're at work I want to do this and then it's like baby's born and where's my village at? Mm-hmm. So I went back to work at six months. We were doing some virtual work before. So we, I guess technically we started working virtually at four months postpartum. Um, it was all virtual, so I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. I used to work at an agency. I was called back to go into back into the office at six months postpartum. And this was where, like, I met this heightened stress in my life. I don't think that I would have ever imagined I had to prepare for. Right. So I was um, going back into the office. I was totally scared of contracting COVID. I was like, we want, we've gone six months with not contracting it. So I was working with the population that they were really coming into our offices with the chance of having COVID. And to me, that was scary. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, so it was scary for me. And at the time, I was also coming back from this maternity leave. And I had already notified my boss, I'm a new mom. I'm a breastfeeding mom. Mm -hmm. I need a place to be able to pump. And what is this going to look like? Well, needless to say that it was a hard transition in. I was one of the first counselors that was brought in. And to this day, I think of it and I'm like, why was I the first one? I was recovering. (laughs) I was still postpartum. I had just had a baby. Everyone else, like, I was the only one in the team that had had a baby. And everyone else continued to work from home. I was the only one that went in because I had a, a case. They were now assigning us cases. And I was the first one to have a case. And I was like, why am I... Why did I have to go here? And at the time, the justification was, well, you just had a baby and you're going to be working with a teen who has a baby. So you can relate to this this person the most. 
And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess. I guess I get that, but still, why am I the first oh, one? <laughs> yeah, that seems wrong. <laughs> uh, and so I go to work, and here's where my introduction or my transition back into the workplace completely like disrupted my whole my mental health. I was so stressed out because I go back and I'm the only one there. I'm given like this this case and I'm expected to complete all of the work. And the company itself or the agency itself was in the process was transitioning into a new everything. Everything was new. So nobody and we were all learning it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But there were these expectations that I needed to be on top of the the workload. And to be honest, my postpartum mom brain did not work the same. No. No, I couldn't even I couldn't even write a sentence. I had to write progress notes and like um, complete my evaluations and I was like, how how do I do this? (laughs) Something that I had done for many years before. Um, I had already been in the field at that point for three years and I had already done many progress notes. I had already worked. I had already done evaluations and I could not, I could not for the life of me. Really could not compose these notes. Um, I couldn't do my work, and in the fast pace that they wanted, they wanted the turnaround so fast, and I couldn't do it. Um, on top of that, there wasn't a place for me to nurse or to pump. Mm-hmm. I had already let them know, and they didn't set that up for me. So my whole entire, like, first month back, it was trying to find a place for me that was safe. It was a place that I could lock, that I could secure. It was just such an ugly experience because I had to go to HR. People walked in on me, men walked in on me while I was pumping, which is not, Mm. it's first of all, it's illegal uh, to not have a room set up that has a lock Mm -hmm. and is safe for a a mom to be able to to pump. Um, And then second of all, you have people walking in on you and I did not feel supported by anybody in that agency when I was telling them like this just happened how Mm -hmm. does this just happen oh that's horrible what a like a lonely place to feel it was such a lonely place and that's with my supervisor being outside the door making sure nobody walks in but somebody walked in that at that point that was there (laughs) you'll notice my facial expressions are like what uh yeah Um, I can't that's that's not very good supervision (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah Um, so that was stressful too, because now I'm, I'm having to, what are the legalities behind this? Try looking for support in that too. Like, is this legal for them to be doing that? Because now I'm having to exchange emails, going with HR, going to soup to supervisors. And it was just such an ugly, very stressful experience that I went through just transitioning back to work that I don't think any mom should have to go through because that is where you're already under a lot of stress going back to work because who's going to watch my baby which was another thing we had already set up some care for my son and then that care was like no I'm not going to do this anymore like after a week and a half I think maybe a little bit less and it was like oh my gosh so on top of fighting for my rights on top of trying to get everything situated so that I can pump here I am now placed in this position of how are we going to find childcare? Because my husband mm-hmm. also want, was going back to work. 
and it was like how how do we navigate this so it was there was a lot of stress there I remember being so stressed out I remember feeling very unsupported in different aspects of my life and I just remember like crying one day like as I drove home from work from just feeling all of that and being disappointed in work so disappointed that I began to grow this like resentment towards the the leadership team because it was like this wasn't making it any easy for me mm-hmm. I'm being demanded to come to work and do all this work and when I'm asking for simple requests it was it was really hard for them to meet my requests there I was even told at one point you can pump into pump in the restroom and I was like oh that doesn't sound no. that doesn't sound very sanitary with COVID no <laughs> um the solutions were that I would have to pump during my like during my lunch break or I would have to, and I would have to clock out. So in the state of Texas, I'm in Texas, you're allowed two 15 minute breaks throughout mm-hmm. your eight hour shift on top of your one hour lunch. So what I would have to do is I would have to use those 15 minutes, like one in the morning and one in the afternoon for pumping any time outside of that. I'd have to clock out for. That's, that does not <laughs> seem right. It really doesn't. So I was frustrated with and bothered by the solution they proposed. I was just annoyed with the whole system itself and just being unsupported. So there's different factors going on. There's like the, my personal life and then there's my, my work life. And at this point I was like, oh, this isn't, I don't like this. I had signed up for a webinar It was about working with women in the perinatal field. And so I sat through that and I learned so much. And I was like, what? I learned so much. And it was hosted by a doula. It wasn't even hosted by a mental health therapist. Mm -hmm. And one thing that she said was, we don't have many providers. She's like, we don't have none at all Mm -hmm. here in our city. So Mm -hmm. um, I was like, what? No wonder nothing came up when I was Googling. (laughs) Like nothing came up. So I learned there was no providers, and I was like, this cannot be true. This cannot be accurate. No wonder. That webinar, of course, gave all the information about postpartum depression, how many women it affects, um, not just postpartum depression, but all the perinatal mood, anxiety, and disorders. So all of that was in this webinar, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do we not have anyone supporting this? Mm -hmm. And that's when I began my research, because I had already gone through, moved through so much in my own six months of being a mom and I had heard from my friends and I'm like how many more women have gone through this whole period not recognizing that they have struggled with their mental health or really realizing how their mental health was affected and how that was affecting their family Mm -hmm. because during those times that I was stressed um during those times that I had anxiety I also recall like becoming resentful towards my own husband Mm. and I was becoming resentful towards him because I thought that his life didn't change right yes I I am familiar with that feeling (laughs) yeah and it was just growing and growing and growing it started off with I'm bothered by you I didn't know what was bothering me and then it it grew to like this annoyance like oh I hate that you have time to yourself and I don't I hate that I have to be stuck here breastfeeding while you get to go outside and I'm here on the couch. Mm -hmm. It was just like little petty things that I started that I was noticing. Um, But that's how our mental health is affected. 
Mm -hmm. It shows in those ways. And I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't sharing that. And I did. I grew, I grew to be very resentful towards him. Even him, like, <laughs> I remember laying down in the bed right next to him and just being like, oh, I hate that you can sleep right now. <laughs> I want to sleep. <laughs> I hate that you're asleep and I'm not because I'm feeding the baby at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. or whatever time it was. But that's how our mental health is affected. And we think it's normal because we talk to other women and we share our stories and we relate to it. So because we're relating to it, it's like, oh, okay, well then... If she's experiencing it, then we're fine. Mm -hmm. Right. We somehow want to be like, yeah, we're good. It's the same. After learning that there was no providers, I made this my personal mission to find out how I could be trained and receive my certification to be a provider that specializes in maternal mental health. And I did. I got online. I found out how to obtain that certificate. And that's exactly what I did. I did not stay at my full-time job any longer. I recognized how it was really taking a toll on me. Mm-hmm. I recognized there's no support here. It's taking a toll on me. I'm not able to meet the demands. My work isn't the same. And so I didn't stay at my job, um, especially because I didn't have childcare. Mm-hmm. So that stress from childcare was just, okay, well... I've got to do what's best for my family. And right now, paying for sending my son to a daycare so that I can work just doesn't make sense when we're living in an era of what-ifs, unknowns, and nobody could be certain about anybody's health. Mm -hmm. So I I quit my job, and I began focusing on moving into a private practice and how can I be a support for moms that are going through transitioning from maternity leave and stress like this. Um, helping moms with with anxiety, with depression, and more than just that, with their overall mental health. It doesn't mean that we have to experience any perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. It means that our mental health can decline because becoming a mom is a major life-changing event. It's not something that we've done before for first-time moms. It's not something that we're our bodies have physically gone through. Um, there's so many hormonal changes. There's so many physical changes. There's a lot of changes, and we're not prepared for that. And it wasn't talked about by our moms or by women before us. And our mental health is really impacted. We have these societal expectations. We have <laughs> we have social media that has these beautiful birthday parties and. <laughs> photo shoots and we want moms begin to internalize that like oh I need to have that beautiful balloon bouquet for my son's birthday party or I need to have that beautiful fondant cake that's nicely decorated (laughs) our houses need to be picked up we need Mm -hmm. to be doing everything we need to be able to be perfect at every single thing that we do right Yeah, there's a lot of pressure with social media. Yeah, and I think that social media just adds to that pressure because it's the expectation, the societal expectations are still there, but they're very much visible because we're connected. Mm -hmm. So that is how I got into my work. So I have been doing this now for three years. Um, I took the training immediately, and I've taken multiple trainings throughout, throughout the past three years. And I opened my private practice and 
I got social media. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I finally got social media. I think a year after I had finally opened up my practice and was doing everything, I got social media. And that's when I became more active, especially because I'm a Hispanic mama. Mm -hmm. And there is a huge stigma in mental health in general. And because it's such a huge stigma within our culture, I recognized we're all very much uneducated. And I'm saying this, even me coming from a mental health background, I had already been, I had already worked for three years, but I still had like school and all my intern and whatnot for about five years mm-hmm. before I became a mom. And then it's like, wow. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I was looking at it through a different lens because I recognized that I was going through anxiety, recognized that I was going through stress, mm-hmm. but that's just because that's how my, how I was trained. That's how That's what my schooling was. I knew to recognize that. But how many other women aren't, we don't have that knowledge. Yeah. Well, it's so great, like, that you took your experience that was less than ideal, obviously, and although probably pretty similar to other people's experience, especially during COVID. Um, But kind of as you said, that I think just because people have this experience, you think like, oh, maybe it's normal, right? If you don't have the background to know that this is, these aren't normal feelings to be feeling. But, you know, it's, I think it's really inspiring that you took that experience and turned it into something for the better and to help other people in your position. I think that's, I mean, that's just so important that you recognize that. And now you're helping people, especially, as you said, in the Hispanic community, um, is that have you seen in the past three years since you've been doing this, have you seen, like, what has it looked like in your practice? Like, have you seen a larger amount of people coming to seek help or is it, um, and has the kind of mentality changed in that three years, do you think? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you're asking that because yes, I've seen more of an increase of Hispanic women seeking services or wanting to. Mm-hmm. Because they resonate with some of the content that I've put out or that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. And it really hits home for them. There's still some feedback that I've received like, no, I never went through any of yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't. No, I, it wasn't a struggle for me. And then like I'll move through a conversation with someone and I can see how that stigma is really still stuck on them. Like, no, 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 that wasn't me or this, this I've, I've got to be perfect, which is all moms have that. We, we all have this belief that we've got to be perfect. We've internalized a lot of these, these expectations that society has put on us and we've internalized them as our own failures. So if we're not good at, Hey, I don't know how to cook and take care of my house and take care of my baby. Like it's just a mess. It's chaos all over. I'm failing. I'm failing because I don't know how to be a good wife at home and a good mother and so we internalize these these beliefs about ourselves because we're not meeting up to them one thing that i know is that we don't have to say a lot to really say a lot if that makes sense like i can have an interaction with um with someone and i can recognize like yeah that's okay for you to struggle right we all do i've had clients that'll come in and um they'll just be like no i'm not i don't have anxiety or anything like that this is really what my concern is. And they'll tell me what their their concern is. And then I'm like, no, 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 that's anxiety. <laughs> Not necessarily like in those words, but right. 
I'm recognizing like, okay, you know, this is a little bit of anxiety and then I'll give some education on that. But what it's done for the Hispanic community is it's allowed them to put together some pieces. Like we have a lot of generational traumas that have been passed mm-hmm. down. We, ex- this is what it looks like. Everyone thinks anxiety looks like this, but anxiety is actually being disconnected. Mm-hmm. We are our brains are trying to sue themselves and how do we disconnect? That's scrolling through social media. Mm -hmm. That is wanting to step away and like focus on other things in the house. Um, Getting worked up about the little messes that are everywhere because it's overstimulation. Overstimulation can add to that anxiety. So I've seen a huge increase in uh, Hispanic women coming in and I break it down for them culturally, like this is the societal expectations culturally. And then we also have like the American cultural expectations. Right. And I grew up in a city, uh, El Paso, which is the border town to Ciudad Juarez, Mexico and Texas. So we can okay. see Mexico from basically anywhere as you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a mountain range. So you can see like Mexico right next door Mm -hmm. and a lot of women have expressed like it's it's really hard because I don't feel like I belong to either Mm -hmm. either culture Mm -hmm. like I go to Mexico and I realized well I'm not really that Mexican because there's like certain other certain adaptations that they have or ways of living but then I'm also like American but then like I'm not really like Americans. So they're in this place of like, where do I fit in? And how do I balance these expectations from two different sides? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. And I, um, I could definitely see how that feels. You don't know where you belong and just even being able to see the other country. That's um, an unusual situation. I think then most people from a different background can't usually just see the country right there uh so that is a really interesting and unique experience and that's really great that you're able to provide this help and service for people um in a very specific way and I'm interested you've mentioned a couple times that a lot of or you know like when you're talking to your friends or now you're talking to clients you know they're saying kind of some things are going through and they don't realize maybe that they do have anxiety or Um, depression is there would you be able to give like a few symptoms or things to look out for that anyone listening you know just to give some information that people could know just be aware of or when is the right time to go seek help like when should you actually be worried or need to act on any kind of feelings that you're having well and this is one thing that I always share with my husband is if you are having the same conversation over and over and over with each person that you're interacting with so let's say you and I have a conversation right now and Mm -hmm. I'm venting to you about one thing and then I go on and I have another conversation with my neighbor and I'm venting about that one thing and then I hang out and I'm having coffee with my grandma and I'm venting about the same thing Mm -hmm. if you're not finding relief so venting allows us this emotional release that's a space for us to release the stress release whatever it is that we may be feeling if you're finding yourself having that same conversation over and over and over again and not finding that not finding relief from it that's an indicator there's something wrong 
because it's more than just whatever you may think that's at the surface. So usually conversations flow like surface level. I like to think of it as a as an iceberg. Like we usually stay within this part of our conversations when we're talking to people. And the the part that's below the water, that's the part that's bigger, right? We never know how much bigger that is. We just know that there's a part that's below there and it's usually bigger. So if our conversations are staying up here at just the, the tip of the iceberg, which you can see, there's a lot more below that that really is affecting you. Um, you just don't recognize, we don't, you don't know that until it's pointed out to you mm. by someone else. That is what a therapist can provide for you is that they can look, they can not just look, but they're able to see the whole picture objectively. And so we can come in and we can talk about that. This is where I say, like, we can um, we can say a lot without saying a lot. And so part of meeting with someone that can provide you with that emotional support professionally is that they're going to be able to help you see beyond. They're going to help you see the, the bottom part of the iceberg because we're only talking about that surface level. So if you're having that same conversation over and over and over again, venting about the same the same thing and you're not finding any relief that would be an indicator like oh hey i'm not getting any yeah. relief why this uh-huh. is still bothering me because obviously it's still showing up in your life mm-hmm. um if you find yourself asking like is this normal um your friends are and your family are not people to provide you with that answer if it's normal or not we can definitely relate to one another and i think that that's where that disconnection is is that because we're able to relate we believe that it's normal it just means that we're able to relate to one another and we're able to say, yeah, like I've, I've been through that. And it's, it's good to feel supported by someone else that has also been through that. However, some people may have better coping skills. Some people may have better support. No two people are the same. And so even though we're able to relate, there's still going to be some differences in those experiences. And just because you're able to relate to someone may not mean that you have the same, uh, may not be healthy in the same way that they are mentally. Right. Yeah, I know that makes sense. I've never thought about that before. What you said about if you're repeating the same conversation, that's interesting. I'll have to take notice to that <laughs> if I ever do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I was saying before, I think the only thing I had ever heard of before I was pregnant was postpartum depression, I think, because I had heard like, of you know maybe a celebrity or something years ago having it and I remember at the time even it was talked about in a way that was kind of like taboo like who this celebrity has this like wow she must not be like handling herself like it was kind of like almost like it's her fault um that she has this and it was people were kind of judging her for having it and that was the only time I had really heard about it and I find it shocking that it's not more discussed um and I had never heard of postpartum anxiety until after I was a mom and I I saw it on social media someone said like oh I have postpartum anxiety I was like oh I didn't even know that was a thing oh maybe I have that (laughs) like um and then yeah and then more recently I heard about postpartum psychosis which is something I definitely never heard of it's interesting to learn more about it and I think it's really good that we should all kind of know the warning signs and yeah just to look out and I think it is also really important that stigma against mental health, right, that you've talked about, just kind of getting rid of that and, you know, making it okay. Like, it's it's fine if you, you know, like, the brain is just another body part, like, the rest of our body parts. Nobody has shame for 
you know, going in to get your knee checked out, right? So why do we have to feel shame for getting our brain kind of worked on and checked out? Yeah, anyway, all here for this. <laughs> um, and I think you share some really good tips on your Instagram and all of that. So definitely we'll direct people there if you're interested. Um, so you, uh, you have a three-year-old and now you're about to have a baby next week. Two questions. First, a short question. I'm just wondering, are you... Since you had a C-section before, are you getting a C-section again? Yes, um, I will be having another C-section again. And um, that is coming from a very well thought out, thought out process. Um, and in terms of my baby's health and my health. So yeah. this pregnancy around was a high risk pregnancy. Um, so I've had to be meeting with specialists. I've had to really prepare for uh prepare for postpartum in a much different way than I did my first pregnancy and so the decision to come to the c-section was based off of I'm going to make the best decision that I can with the knowledge that I have mm -hmm. because now that I've been in this field for three years I have connected with many many perinatal providers midwives doulas um, other perinatal mental health therapists, um, pelvic floor therapists. I've had the chance to really build a network, um, even perinatal chiropractors. And so there's a lot more that I was aware of during this pregnancy in terms of my physical health, taking care of my physical health and navigating this pregnancy, which was a whole lot different than my first, because I, as I mentioned earlier on in our conversation, I didn't know anything. I just thought that it was an OBGYN and that was like, you just were pregnant and then you just delivered and that was it. Mm -hmm. However, there's overall care that also goes into that. So this decision came based off of my now knowledge and using my resources and having a team for myself to come to a decision that this is the best option. Mm -hmm. So... And especially because I'm having another big baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really at the point I can't walk anymore. <laughs> oh, no. My back just hurts. Yeah. Uh, I have so much lower back pain. And I'm like, man, these kids really took my, <laughs> really yeah. took all my life. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, it sounds like that's yeah. the right decision. I, I guess I was interested. Uh, the reason I ask is because you were saying like the baby's coming next week and I guess you would, so I was just assuming that maybe you had it scheduled. Otherwise, it's like, well, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, he's coming next week for sure. So it is scheduled. Yeah. I was like, because you seem more, I think if it was someone when you didn't, if you were just going to have the baby and you didn't know when, I feel like um, you have a very more relaxed state about you right now. So <laughs> yeah, it, it seems obvious that you've been kind of preparing and doing the work. And I'm wondering how else did you, kind of mentally prepare yourself and your family for the second baby to come? So we have really been open about this experience. When we learned that we were pregnant with our second one, my son was part of the conversation too. Um, he was still, he was like two and a half at the time. And he was a part of that conversation because as a therapist for moms and having worked with children before, I recognize how important it is for kids to understand or kids to be connected because it's not just a change for mom and dad it's not just a change for mom it's not just a change for dad 
it's also a huge change for them too. Mm -hmm. So I let him know that I was pregnant, though he couldn't see it. I I explained it to him. Mommy's going to have a baby. Mommy's body's making a baby right now. You can't see it. But later on, mommy's mommy's belly is going to be growing. And I told him, because mommy's body is making a baby, you're going to see me very sick. Because I, I did experience morning sickness. It started off mild, but I was diagnosed with hyperemesis gravidium, so mm. severe morning sickness. And my first trimester was, oh my gosh, it was really rough. <laughs> yeah. And I was also taking care of my two and a half year old at the time by myself. It was rough. It was the hardest experience that I think that I had to navigate me not feeling well and then still having to really show up for my son. So he saw me change. I went from being his energetic mommy, fun mommy, doing things with him throughout the day to being like lethargic on the couch, tired, not able to do anything. Um, and, and he saw like a huge change in me. And so for me, it was important to share with him what was happening to really get in touch with this has this has nothing to do with you, right? To really um, educate him on mommy's body is, is changing right now. And it's not that I don't want to play with you. It's not that I don't want to have fun with you. It's that I really can't have fun with you. And so it was conversations that I was having with him daily and letting him know why. And because he's been so involved in the pregnancy, I even took him to sonograms. I would take him to doctor's appointments with me. And he would hear like the heartbeat. And he, he loved that and he enjoyed that. So to this day, he will, he'll ask me to see his baby brother. He'll ask me to read a story to him. He'll ask <laughs> to give kisses. And so he's very involved in in it. And right now we're, we're counting down the days since we are scheduled for, yes. <laughs> for the C-section. We're counting down the days and we're letting him know, okay, life is going to change. And we, I check in on him. I have a picture in his room of the emotions. So we talk about those too. Like, how, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. How did this feel when you heard this? Or So we talk about that. And between my husband and I, we have also had conversation about, okay, because all, all of my my experience with motherhood, the first time around, I shared that with him. Mm-hmm. Once I realized what was happening, once I recognized like what I was feeling, and I recognized like, hey, no one checked up on you either. Like me and you were just going through this, and I want to say that it really came after my training in perinatal mental health, and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> right. let me take a step back really quick and let me check in on, on my husband too and mm-hmm. let me check in on myself so we had a conversation this was I want to say how far postpartum was that I want to say my training came at about 10 months postpartum and at the time they were only offering it twice a year and so I got lucky to get that one and that's where I had this, (laughs) that's where I had this space to reflect and be like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. Um, And so we had a conversation about, I I was resentful towards you. This is how, this is how it showed up in our relationship. Um, He was able to kind of share some of his experiences and we've talked about it again. What was our experience? 
then? Right. What do we want to be different this time around? How can we really lean in for support? When do we know to lean? Like, what are signs? What is okay for me to say to you that you'll be like, okay, I need to take a step back. And so we've had those conversations about boundaries, like what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, like what kind of help are we going <laughs> to... I had a, a brief interruption. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little distraction. Yeah. Um, Hi. Hello. <laughs> you probably can't hear me. <laughs> so we've had these conversations because we we both recognize that not having them, that we thought we were prepared when we were first having our, when we first had our first son. But really, you only think you're prepared because you set up the nursery. Right. There's so much more that goes into postpartum planning that is not about the nursery because, let's be honest, I didn't really even use that nursery. We put a lot of time and effort into it. And the thing that could have best prepared us for postpartum was having these conversations. Like, what are our boundaries? Mm -hmm. What time are people allowed to come over? Do we want surprise visitors? I learned that I don't like surprise visitors because I was, there was times where I would have um, just gotten my son down for a nap and I'm finally starting to like go down for a nap too. And then all of a sudden, like the doorbell rings and then my dogs bark and my son's awake. And I was about to finally get some sleep. And yeah, we don't want surprise visitors. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want fair. people ringing yeah. the doorbell. No. <laughs> yeah, no. um, we also discuss like in what kind of help would we would we be okay with? Whether that is someone that wants to come over and and cook for us, or someone that wants to come over and help us with cleaning. Like we we're we're open to that. We're open to especially that. My body will be in recovery for a little bit longer because of the C-section. Like I may not be able to pick up stuff or do things the way that I that I used to. So I'm okay with. Please, I do need the help. Um, whereas back then I was like, nope, super mom complex. Like I can do the laundry. I can do the di- like. Just leave it there. It's okay. And really taking that step back because I think during during the super mom complex in my first first season of postpartum was I wanted to do everything. I wanted to meet the societal expectation that I could carry all of that. And because I did that, I recognized how that, that even showed up for my husband as, all right, well, then I won't help you. Like he, Mm -hmm. it it made him say, okay, then I won't touch anything. And then I would get mad at him for not touching anything. (laughs) 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 So that's again, another part of mental health, how that plays in our feelings will affect the way that we we respond to the world, how we're responding to those around us. So we've had conversations with that, like, okay, you're not going to be able to do anything, so here's what I will be in charge of. Mm-hmm. Here's what we will do. We've we've made plans. How can his, uh, my in-laws will be coming down, and so my in-laws will be responsible for taking my son and picking him up from school, and I'm totally okay with them helping me in the kitchen and cleaning up the kitchen and putting away the stuff Uh, because postpartum is a season of recovery and it is not a season of hosting. I don't have to host and I've learned that. So we've had conversations about that, about boundaries, um, how we want to allow people to help, how we're going to share the news 
we 100% agree. Though I have social media, I don't usually post pictures that are full front of my son. If there's pictures of him, it's profile um, or it's it's blurred. And the purpose for that is maintaining his, his privacy. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that is respecting respecting that and so we've discussed that with family we don't want for you to share our news on social media we want to be able to move through this time without being put on social media for Mm -hmm. for any reason and we've also discussed like his leave his maternity i'm sorry not maternity (laughs) his paternity leave and how we can really how he could be set up for that as he's transitioning out and then how he's going to transition back in, which are conversations that he's already had with his employer. So um, having those conversations has allowed for him to also be able to be here for me. So he's been able to support me. We live in a city far away from our, our family. And so we are our own support. And then we've also been privileged to be able to, form our village within the neighbors that we have. So those are just some of the important conversations that we've had and and saying, okay, well, who also is our village? Who can we trust here? Because that's also been important as we recognize that this is a season of us really needing that support. And we can now see how our own behaviors, our own responses can affect people from like not wanting to, to help out. If Yeah. yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's really good. And that's hopefully helpful to anyone else who might be preparing (laughs) for a second baby just to be having all of those conversations with your son and with your husband about the preparing and with your uh, relatives and family, just setting those boundaries beforehand. I think that seems like a really good idea. And then there's no kind of like messy, like, you know, what do we do? What do we don't know? And you don't have to worry about trying to say these things once the baby's already there. You can just (laughs) lay it out beforehand. I think that's a really good tip for people. Well, thank you so much. I think we have just barely scratched the surface on a lot of these issues (laughs) and things. And I have so many other questions I could talk to you, I think, for hours more. But um, (laughs) we don't really have the time for that, unfortunately. There are uh, just three questions I ask every guest um, that I will get to. But before that, is there anything really quickly that you would kind of just want to leave anyone with? Anything else that you just felt like you wanted to say that you didn't um, say yet? Yeah, I think that if you're listening to this and you're hearing, uh, you've heard my story, I think a big part of it focused on my story as I moved into the mental health part is if you're not feeling like yourself, if you're noticing there's a huge change about you, yes, motherhood will will evoke a change in us, which is expected. But if you're questioning yourself, like, I don't feel like me, if that is something that you're telling yourself or finding yourself saying, I think that's also a huge indicator of you may need additional support. And it's totally okay to need additional support and I hope that my story today showed even someone in in the field of mental health didn't recognize what was happening to her, to her as it was happening. It can happen to all of us. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be able to have a place to express all of this free of judgment without someone 
wanting to share an opinion or give some type of unsolicited advice. So if you do feel that way, please look for someone, a perinatal mental health provider specifically that is in your area. And a way that you can find that is through postpartum international. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I think you've got a visitor too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I love these moments. So, I know. so wonderful. <laughs> um, so if you're struggling, postpartum.net is where you can find a provider for you internationally. So it's not just in the States, it is across the world. So I just wanted to share that one big resource because I know that you are international. So yeah, I I had never heard of that. So that's really good to know. That's perfect. I was looking for some counseling and you know, you want someone that kind of knows what you're going through or works in this field. And I found it really challenging to find kind of the right person. So that's good to know. Yes. um, And I can send that to you too. That way you can post that in the show notes. Yeah. And that is the biggest thing that I would like for anyone hearing this to take away is please reach out for help. You're not alone and you don't have to feel alone at all. Yeah, well, that's a really good thing. Good message for everyone. Now to change a little bit, I'll just ask you the questions I ask every guest. The first one's about, you know, filling your cup before you can fill others, right? So it's what is one thing that you've done for yourself lately? I've been very focused on my own care this entire pregnancy. Um, so the last thing that I did for myself to really fill my cup was I allowed myself help. Um, I had this big project that I was doing to prepare for, to receive baby. And I, it had been in the process since February and it was very similar to like how we started our conversation today where, oh, we think that I just started my maternity leave this week. Um, and I thought, wow, I'm going to get so much rest. And I was really looking forward to that. However, life doesn't always go that way. Sometimes we get interruptions during our day. And so since February, it was kind of like that. Like there was just different things that were happening. Um, and I've also had so many doctor's appointments that it consumed a lot of my time. And, um, one of my neighbors said, Hey, seriously, I want to be your village. And I think that was the most impactful thing in my life because as she, as she told me that, like, I just came to tears oh. and I was like, oh my gosh, like I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. I, I needed to hear someone say, I want to be your village. And what that allowed for me to do was to say yes. And she said, I can help you with anything. What do you need help with right now? And she was, she was persistent with what do you need right now and for me that was like a oh my gosh (sighs) like this feels wonderful to be cared for in this way Mm -hmm. and I said actually I need help with a project that I have yet to finish since February can you please help me she said yes I'm free on Saturday can you do it and I said oh yeah this was like three days we were it was like a Thursday and I was like yeah I I can do it this Saturday she's like okay I'll be over And she did. She came over and I think that was the biggest way that I could fill my cup Mm -hmm. was allowing myself to be taken care of because I take care of so many, so many women every day (laughs) that it was my turn to allow someone to take care of me. That's so great. And what a good neighbor. I wish we should all have a neighbor like that. (laughs) 
um okay the next question is what is a book or a podcast or a movie or a show or something that's had an impact on you lately that's a really good question (laughs) (laughs) um recently I so a lot of the reading that I do is a lot of I do so much research for all the the moms and the women that I work with. But one of the books that really helped me, uh, I just acquired my certification in parental leave. So one of the books that really helped with preparing for postpartum, because again, it's not just about preparing for a baby. It's really about preparing for you to become a mom and for that big change. And then also leave if if you're a working mom or a working parent. Um, And one of the books that really helped me was the Parental Leave Playbook because that's how my husband and I were able to prepare for his leave and prepare for mine. And there's a lot of great points in there that allow you space to or give you these questions. Like they plant these little seeds to, oh my gosh, I never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. I didn't consider this. But that is like a helpful book in terms of like um, where I gain new insight for something. Um, and then a recent show that like has been impactful to me that I just I just enjoy watching for for fun yeah. <laughs> um, has been the Jimmy and Georgia. I think that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that. It's just a fun show. For me, it's something that I can watch and not have to think yeah. like fun humor to laugh at and I have no idea why I enjoy it, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's so good to have shows like that, that you can just like, yeah, turn your brain off and just, yeah, enjoy and not think about <laughs> the stuff you need to. I think that's really good to have. Um, okay, cool. I'll check that one out. And then what is a song that lifts you up and makes you just feel good whenever you hear it? And I have a playlist of these. I ask every guest this, so um, there's a playlist that I'll put this on. So I am a huge fan of reggaeton, and I love Bad Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) So any song of his is, I enjoy it. So like, uh, one of the songs that I really do enjoy just because of the beat of it, and my son loves to dance to it, is it's called Titi Me Pregunto. And that is the song that will like really just up up because of the, of the beat and the rhythm that's in it. So that's my music okay cool (laughs) oh nice yeah I love it I love this because it's like finding out new music or like hearing songs I wouldn't have normally heard and um yeah it's really fun to listen to all the songs and just like feel the upbeat and (laughs) especially songs Uh, a few of them have been songs that people listen with listen to with their kids so that's interesting yeah cool I mean the the lyrics may not be um nice for my son (laughs) but I do it's the beat that I enjoy (laughs) they're they're little rated R (laughs) I think they sing too fast or they rap too fast so it's a he's not hearing it but we're definitely dancing to the to the beat of it yeah Yeah. fun uh well thank you so much um if anyone wants to follow you now that you have social media (laughs) your Instagram is it's Teresa C. Urbina. Yes, Teresa.c.urbina. And I welcome anyone to join my community and feel free to comment on anything I have, resonate with it. I enjoy the feedback um, that I receive from the moms. Usually on Sundays, I have like a let's talk motherhood topic and I enjoy the conversations. I can see more moms participating now. I think it 
the fact that it can remain anonymous has made a lot more people wanting to participate. But I invite anyone to come out and enjoy my community. Oh, perfect. And where, where do you do that Let's Talk Motherhood? Is that on Instagram? On my Instagram stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. On the stories. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, definitely check that out. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. And yeah, like I said before, I feel like we there's so much more I could talk to you about. But I really appreciate you sharing your story and all of your background and how you got to be where you are. And I think it's a really inspiring message for anyone just in the ways that motherhood can affect your career. You know, it put you in a whole new trajectory and these are the things that you can never imagine will happen beforehand but I love hearing all the stories about what does happen thank you for having me it was a pleasure being here with you and and especially for you wanting to spread a message that you felt was very important for all moms to hear so I'm I'm grateful to be a part of this Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Just wanted to mention that in one part, Teresa says the year 2000, but she meant 2020, which I think you probably could have figured out for yourself, but just wanted to clarify that. And as always, check out the show notes for all of the links for Teresa and where you can find a perinatal counselor in your area. And if you like this episode, please share it with a friend who you think might also like it or leave a review or give it a rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would really help out. And I just like hearing from you. So it'd be good to know. All music is by Musicbed. Check out Musicbed to get the best music for your channel or podcast. Sign up for an account to listen for yourself with the link in the show notes and get one month free when choosing a yearly plan with my code. And if there's anyone that you want to hear as a guest, also please let me know. You can direct message me on Instagram. That's a really good way to do it. The show at Biggest Adventure Yet or my personal one at Mari Johnson. And hope you're all well. Happy adventuring. Happy parenting. Happy living. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.